Well, uh, howdy, Mike. Hey. How you doing? I was doing better. Yeah. I got an accent while we were gone. Yeah, it sounds authentic, too. I was, I was hanging out in San Francisco. I picked up that San Francisco twang. Uh-huh. Um, so, how, what's new? WWDC happened. Yeah, WWDC. You came out. I was we there. saw some new stuff. Vampire Weekend. That was really the yeah. highlight of the week for me. Yeah, me too. Um, so let's just dive right in on some WWDC stuff that's relevant to the subject matter of this show. Okay. Um, so, new Mac Pros. What do you think? Yeah, they're coming. They pre-announced them. They gave us a quote sneak peek, um, and they're different. They're, you know, there's something new, which is good. Yeah. Unless you didn't want anything new. Yes. Um, which seems to be a large portion of the internet or the vocal minority of the internet. Um, so yeah. So what are they? So, uh, it's a small cylinder with a Intel Xeon E5, um, in up to 12 core varieties. We don't know exactly what the you know configurations will be but up to 12 core single chip not dual chip and um then two big amd fire pro gpus with up to six gigs of vram each again we don't know what the actual configs will look like and storage is pcie ssd only um definitely one maybe two ssd drives and that's it everything else is thunderbolt usb3 hdmi wireless uh, yeah. Ethernet. Two Ethernets, six Thunderbolts. Yep, with uh, three Thunderbolt controllers, each hosting two ports. Something like that. I thought that. there were six controllers, and no? This, um, well, I think that there are... I think each controller has two distinct channels or something. Okay. So, I mean... It, you yeah. would be able to get a full 120, 120. gigabits. Yes. Okay. Um. So... I mean, my initial reaction is very, very positive. Um, I think what they're, you know, what you lose are PCI slots and internal sp spinning hard disks and Boo. optical media Boo. and a second socket for a CPU. And that's the only one that I, you know, it's sort of a bummer not to get uh, 24 cores inside. Yeah, the why don't, I mean, I guess part of this is like a tacit admission that the age of moore's law is over and that now we throw G now we're just gonna throw more and more gpus at a problem instead of more and more cpu cores right i mean i think it's an admission that yeah you know 12 physical cores each hyper threaded so 24 virtual processors um you know is about as much as most activities can deal with and gpus once you get to that level of compute need hopefully you're shunting most stuff off to GPUs. So one of the things that, you know, I sort of thought about this is it seems to, you know, the idea of a bunch of CPUs was in large part for multitasking, right? Sure. Now, GPUs have never been great for sharing between processes. Um, just because there are a fair amount of costs in switching contexts and moving textures in and out. I mean, it's mm -hmm. 
it's it's bad when you when you jump context. And so is this I mean, is this really the reality? Do most of us have like one major app open churning and otherwise we just don't care about performance? I think, uh, you know, especially in the industries that are GPU compute heavy. I, I mean, I asked this as someone who just shipped a product that's supposed to sit on the same host as a high, you know. <laughs> right. I mean, we just shipped something which is sort of the antithesis of that model. You know, two really high performance graphic apps sharing data. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting when these machines ship to get a sense of sort of where as compared to other Macs, for example, the performance really falls. So have um, you seen some of those preliminary? Yeah, I mean, there was one leaked Geekbench score, um, which had sort of single-threaded performance uh, modestly faster than the existing maxed-out Mac Pro, which is in line with expectations because, you know, Intel single-threaded performance hasn't really changed, and these are actually clocked lower than the Xeons you can buy in the Mac Pro today. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, multi-threaded performance a bit better as well. Yeah, I was sort of surprised. The multi-threaded stuff didn't look... It seems like a not much faster machine. I think for... For compute. Right. For and CPU compute. For pure... Sing yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have much faster memory. Um, you have, you know, just all the other subsystems are much better. Um, is it just that Ge Geekbench is really bad at... Profiling all of those other things? It, it, it doesn't attempt to. I mean, at least the, the scores that were leaked were really just intended to test raw CPU. Yeah. Oh, and, okay. and, you know, Intel, um, you know, raw CPU, especially on the Xeon side, just hasn't changed that much because they've been focused on other things. I mean, you know, the flip side is, of course, that the Mac Pro they're comparing against, the 2010 Mac Pro, has dual six core Xeons. Mm -hmm. um, you know, again, if this Mac Pro, so, so we're sort of comparing apples to oranges, right? You know, Moore's law has meant that uh, Intel can pack 12 cores onto a die that previously held six cores. It's just Apple's not using two of them in the machine. Right, but that's, I mean, that's Apple's fault. Like, right, 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 right. I'm just saying in terms of the, I mean, the, the their overall. Their whole goal is to try to convince all of us to buy new computers. Right. And if, if the machine is 10% faster, that may not be a very compelling argument. No, I think the compelling argument is that, you know, the graphics processing is, I, I don't know, I mean, you know, in the overall narrative of Apple, which is trying to push OpenCL and, and GCD and really, you know, take advantage of these GPUs. I mean, the fact that you, one of these GPUs ostensibly isn't even wired up to drive a display. Uh, is that true? Well, I've heard that said um, from people who say they heard it from people who would know, but I, you know, we won't know till the machine ship. Um, I mean, so they're fairly beefy GPUs. I mean, they're on the high end. They're not. Well, yeah. I mean, they're they're cards that if you were buying them as cards would be fifteen hundred dollars each. Really? Something like that. Yeah, with six gigs of VRAM. I guess. Yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of VRAM. Um, and, you know, f what, 4,096 compute cores per chip? Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that sort of thing on the, that's like a high-end consumer. Because the problem is, so there's always two price ranges with graphics cards. Mm -hmm. 
Um, there's the one for gaming, which nowadays are really fast CUDA or OpenCL engines. And then there's the ones designed for like computing or for, you know, the, you know, medical, you know, the, the vertical markets. Right. And there really is little or no difference between them anymore. Um, as far as what they can do, it's just how much you have to pay for them. Right. And, and driver differences and, you know, other, you know, RAM differences and other things, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, they're really pretty. I mean, you look at like the performance now of something like, you know, the new, what's the new GTX from NVIDIA, like the 780, I think they're up to now. And it's like, it's as fast as one of their high end, you know, Kepler, whatever the, what are the performance ones called? The Tegra? The Fermi's or the, mm, not the Kepler yeah, one. Yeah, it's the Kepler. Kepler's the engine, but then they've got a product line, oh, not the Quadro, uh, but the, the other ones. The, the uh, yeah. titanium, Technobium, it's the T word, isn't it? Yeah, I don't Terra. know. Tes Tesla. Tesla, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're like, you get like the same amount of performance for half as much money. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, I mean, so this is, yeah, I guess we should get into this. This is one of the big things that, people were surprised by as well um, is, you know, Apple seems to ping pong back and forth between uh, graphics card vendors. And so they've made the switch back to AMD. And it seems, you know, like, I feel like we're kind of at a point where they're basically, they just throw their weight at whoever sucks more at OpenCL at the time. <laughs> in order to like entice them to like get their asses well I, I suspect you know the reality is a couple of things one is obviously just component cost um, well and apple isn't really happy with nvidia right now right yeah um and then there's also this issue of they obviously had to hit a very specific thermal envelope for this machine and there may be something about either the chips themselves or the way they're managed that made the AMD chips more appropriate. I don't know, but I mean, there, there are a lot of factors that go into that decision. Um, but, you know, I mean, they're at the point now where they, it seems like at least a portion of their hardware design criteria is meant to sway the software market's like adoption rate of OpenCL. Yeah. One, I mean, they obviously have been working behind the scenes, you know, so let's just recap the sort of, you know, 48 hours after this announcement, because the, the immediate reaction was, this is the end of the world. Um, and all of the experts came out and said, this means that, you know, DaVinci Resolve won't work and Adobe Creative Suite won't work and all of this because they don't. Because they, they use CUDA, which is right. a proprietary NVIDIA compute framework. Right. Uh, in the same spirit as OpenCL, which is now a standard, um, but has not been as mature and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so then over the, the following 48 hours, we heard from Blackmagic and from Adobe and from Autodesk and from these other people saying, you know, actually we've had these boxes. Um, our next releases are going to fully you know, take advantage of them. Um, Apple said they've got a Final Cut X release to, you know, do multi-GPU compute. Um, 
And so, it, you know, it does seem like this is the tipping point for OpenCL with some of these high-end apps. Yeah, I mean, we already saw a lot of this with the, the Mac Retina. You know, people started going OpenCL with that, specifically Adobe. Although that was an NVIDIA chipset, yeah. so I don't know what the what the reasoning was there. I think it may have been that that was before NVIDIA was shipping CUDA drivers for. Because mm. there were, you know, for a long time, Apple was in charge of all of the drivers for all of the cards that you could buy. And so you couldn't buy a, you couldn't just go to Best Buy and buy a graphics card. You had to buy a Mac graphics card, even though it was probably the same card as someone else. And because and that was because it needed the EFI firmware stuff and it needed a driver from Apple. And this has recently changed. It may be that this is just newer than that, you know, newer than the Retina and Apple and Adobe's like race to support it. Hmm. Um, but you know, now you can download drivers directly for any of their cards from NVIDIA to run on the Mac. And then you can also get a compute, like a CUDA system preference. But I wonder if that's new. I don't know. Yeah. I can't recall, um, what the chain of events there was in, in any case, I mean, you know, there's obviously going to be a transition to move over to the Mac Pro. Um, I think that it's going to be a very popular machine in the at the scale of a Mac Pro. It's not going to outsell a MacBook Air or something, um, right? But I think it's going to be a you know a killer machine loaded up with a bunch of RAM and a really fast SSD and a bunch of external stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I mean we'll get one. Yeah. Um, it, again, it will be interesting to see how quickly people move to really take advantage of that amount of GPU. Um, you know, the flip side is of course that the bulk of the creative market nowadays is not on Mac pros is not on machines with maxed out GPUs. And so, you know, what is the economic incentive for someone to spend a whole bunch of time tuning to take advantage of dual fire pros when the bulk of your users are on retina MacBook pros or iMacs? Like what sort of tools are you talking? Well, even, you know, think Premiere or something in that space, so not necessarily. Well, I mean, obviously it behooves them. I mean, they have to lead, you know, because the assumption is that, you know, Apple's going to continue to rev hardware. The PC vendors are continuing to rev hardware. It, you know, we're getting to a point where it doesn't make sense to throw more or faster CPUs into a device. Right. But, I, you I know, guess hanging just... a second GPU, I mean, I... I it won't surprise me if we have two, I mean, if nothing else, most of the work you do supporting OpenCL dual compute cores lets you do things like run on both the integrated and the discrete graphics in uh, That's Retina. true. That's true. Yeah. Um, I mean, it'll definitely be nice when we get all of the Macs onto the new HD 5000 Haswell chipsets. Um, which are a pretty big graphical jump on the in integrated. Yeah. Because obviously, you know, there are a lot of, you know, MacBook Airs, for example, there are a lot of machines out there that, it, you know, either don't They're or until recently didn't only. have, yeah, didn't have very good integrated graphics. And, and the new one is a, a substantial increase. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. They just um, announced something else. They announced a new Air, right? Yeah, so the new Air is the first product they've got moving to the Haswell chipset, the Haswell ULT. So slower clock speed with their turbo boost feature, but um, Haswell is such an improvement throughout the system in terms of the integrated graphics and memory architecture and, um, you know, per core performance and then power, you know, has resulted in Apple claiming 12 hours of battery life, but the independent benchmarks are finding closer to 15. That's bananas. Yeah. I want that. Yeah. I want a retina screen though too. Yeah. Uh, I just, you know, I use it there every day, but I don't ever care that much how fast it is. But I would like to be able to like test retina stuff on it. Yeah. Well, you know, hopefully we'll see in the fall, we'll get everything else moved over to Haswell. Um, I imagine in conjunction with the final release of Mavericks, we'll see updates to the MacBook Pro line um, and, and maybe the iMac as well at the same time. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Do you have any, any bets you want to place on Mac Pro shipping time or cost? Oh, they're gonna be expensive. Yeah. Um, because basically, I mean, they can charge any price they want now. Yeah. Um, because really, you don't unless like you know if you need one, and if you don't need one, you're buying it because you want one. And either way, like, you know, there are plenty of other Macs for you to buy if you give a shit about cost. Like, so I'm guessing like the base unit would be. 46 no 100 yeah that's my that's my guess i'm going okay. my guess is there's no there's no single gpu option it's going to come with a you know the base unit will be like 128 gig ssd and they'll they'll strip like msrp will be 46 and when do you think they'll ship i don't know fall <laughs> okay I think um, as late as they possibly can. I'm gonna go with a base price of three grand with two gigs of VRAM per GPU, six gigs of system RAM, um, and like a four that's core. Not, there's no way that's enough. You need at least eight gig of RAM to service two gig of VRAM because everything's resonant in both. Right. It doesn't matter. I mean, they've shipped yeah. machines with like you know 128 megs of RAM running OS 10. Yeah, I know, but uh, okay. And um, yeah, stripper Xeon. I don't know the Xeon line well enough, but I I think there's a four core model in this line, something like that. And then uh, yeah, 120 gig SSD, and I think they'll ship late November. But who? So that machine is just targeted for someone who wants to put a tube on their desk. Yeah, I mean that machine's targeted for having like, a product that starts at three grand. Uh, right. So it's designed for like the receptionist. Yeah. It's like the, the CEO. It's the, it's the cube dropping. Yeah. Like you want to have it on your desk. You want it to look cool. You don't really care that it's not a great machine. Right. Okay. I mean, they've sold machines like that in the past. I know. But I feel like the rest of their line is like, I, I just, I don't, I, I mean, the, because one of the problems is there, this, machine is sort of a pain to CTO. I mean, not any more than like all of their laptops and stuff, but definitely more so than 
the original, like the old Mac Pros. Sure. Where everything was like drop in. But it's made in America. It's not like, yeah, but it's not hand soldered by some guy named Bruce. Should like, oh, you want the RAM? Hold on, let me grab that from the box over here and uh, get out my solder kit. And... So today's Mac Pro starts at $2,500 with a quad-core chip. Um, okay, yeah. So I don't think they want to be, I, I just can't see them going too far above that for the entry price. Yeah, 200 and that's aluminum. Well, and yeah, I mean, they've got a much more expensive uh, motherboard in order to have the dual socket. I guess on the quad core, they don't have an empty socket. Never mind. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. You might be right. Yeah. Regardless, a lot of people will buy them in, you know, a lot for values of not that many. For small, for small values of a lot. Yeah. Um, the uh, other big piece. When are they going to have the 4K screen? At the same time, I imagine. They better. I, I want one. I think they'll update the, when they update the MacBook Pros uh, with the Haswell chips, which can drive a 4K display uh, mm-hmm. with Thunderbolt 2 as well. So the MacBook Airs don't have Thunderbolt 2. With a, they don't. Uh, right. Um, because that chipset isn't shipping yet, the Falcon Ridge Thunderbolt chipset. Mm. Um, and Man, You're just giving me more reasons not to buy one of those. So they don't have DisplayPort 1.4, whatever it is that you need to drive 4K. But... Now, could they? They could have snuck DisplayPort in. There's no reason yeah. why the DisplayPort can't rev without a Thunderbolt revving, right? I, that is, I think, true, but I do not believe these can drive 4K regardless. Mm, lame. Um, but the new MacBook Pros definitely will be able to, and obviously the new Mac Pro will as well, and I imagine they'll ship a display at the same time. Yeah. Hmm. But we'll see. Um. The uh, big piece of software news out of WWDC was Mavericks. Um, is this a big piece of software news? No. Okay. Um, I mean, the biggest piece of news about it is that Apple is not calling their things cats anymore. Um, and that they're basically more concerned about power than performance. Right. Which is actually, I think, exciting. Um, I think it's interesting, you know without getting too far down into NDA breaking materials, not that the NDA seems to matter at all anymore. Um, but they're doing a lot of cool stuff in the OS with power and they've not said word one about what the actual impact of this is. You mean, what do you mean? Like, like they haven't said this, you know, we've seen internally that this gives you an extra 15% of battery they did. They said that. I don't think they did. Yeah, they did. I don't think it was the keynote, so I don't think we can say it. Okay. No, they said it was like, it was a notional amount. Huh. It was more than 10%. Because, yeah, no, because the, my initial reaction was whether or not that was where they were munging their 12-hour figures for right. the air from. Whether that included the performance gains they were seeing in Mavericks. But apparently not. No, because people are finding that obviously running... 10.8. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, it'll be interesting. Um, I actually, just from a pure sort of nerd computer science perspective, I do find the things they're doing with power really interesting, um, both on. Oh, iOS they're definitely and cool. Yeah. Um, it's what what I'm worried about is we're getting into as a software developer. 
on the Mac, you were kind of like just running on a thin layer on top of the system. And you could pretty much count on the kernel as a deterministic thing. Yeah. This was never true in iOS. You know, iOS people were always like, well, I can run until I get quit. And I can use memory until it tells me I can't have any more memory. And then I quit. And I can do stuff in the background unless I take too long. And I don't know what too long means, but I'll just quit. You know, and it's like we're starting there. They've obviously enjoyed that freedom on the iOS side um, to sort of do whatever they want in the kernel to everybody else. Mm-hmm. And it's starting to come to OS X, and that worries me slightly. Because, um, you know, we're getting into that. Like, if you, if you want something to happen at a specific time, it might. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, yeah, for fuzzy time values. It's, yeah. And, of course, their point is, like, actually, times have never been that consistent. But now we're... Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. But, but they're order of magnitude. They mean, they mean at a microsecond rate. Right. And now it's 10 seconds. 10 seconds. That's, like, a big fucking difference. Yeah. I mean, a microsecond is like, oh, I wonder if I dropped a frame there. 10 seconds is like, whoa, what just happened? My yeah. app crashed. It's going to be interesting. Um, you know... I mean, for, for the majority of apps, it's probably fine. Yeah. And certainly, I mean, anytime Maybe you open... apps, no. So, but anytime you open Activity Monitor and you just see all those little 1%, 2% things going on... Oh, yeah. No, totally. You know, yeah. It, it, Although I'm a little amazed that, like... So, it's Mavericks. This is, like, important now. Everybody's doing it. The system's enforcing it. Man, so I'm running Mavericks on my laptop. Xcode is like always using 80%. Doing nothing. <laughs> wow. It's just like redrawing white somewhere, I guess. Yeah. Hold on, I need to not draw a gradient over here. Let me do that. <laughs> it's beta. I know. File radars. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, it's also a recognition that the amount of control they have over the different systems in a machine has improved so much over five years ago or 10 years ago. You know, 10 years ago, you just didn't think about controlling the system to this level of granularity in terms of sleeping components. And Well, I mean, they could have done it back then in large part. It's just, you know, everyone owns a laptop now. Yeah. One and two, everyone wants them to be tiny. And, you know, Apple doesn't want you to have your removable battery. And, you know, it's... I think more so it's that they've solved most of the other problems now, you know? Yeah. Like, they're not going to be ditching BSD anytime soon. And so what else are they going to do? I mean, they're obviously never going to fucking ship a new file system. (laughs) So they're not wasting any cycles on that. So, you know, the only thing left is like, oh, let's see if we can fuck with timers. Um, yeah, I mean, it's also that continuing. A couple of years ago, we started hearing about back to the Mac, bringing iOS stuff back to the Mac, and it was all user level stuff. Um, and now we're seeing more of the actual system level stuff in, being reintegrated or, you know, jointly developed um, in a way that mm-hmm. I don't think was going on before. So, 
yeah. you know, that's interesting. And I think as a Mac user, it should make you optimistic that, you know, looking out another five years, the Mac is going to continue to move forward, even as PC market share starts to actually, or no, uh, the total PC industry starts to contract. Greater. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that they're not going to totally stop caring about the Mac. And the way they're going to do that is by developing Building a tablet notebook hybrid yes yes that ha- that runs both ios and os x and has both a stylus and a keyboard and mouse and yeah. a trackpad and a nipple oh nipples i like those um anything else from wwdc you wanted to talk about i don't know do we want to talk about ios do we care uh i mean i mean i got plenty of opinions but they're not well formed i i'm sort of yeah. Yeah, the internet's bitched about it enough. Yeah, I mean I I will I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt that the final product they deliver will be nice. I think there's a lot of cool stuff going on and Okay, can I but I do wanna this one targeted for our audience knit to pick. The video app and the photos app have a white background now. True. And if that makes it back to OS if that comes back to the Mac I'm going to go on a stabbing spree. <laughs> Can you imagine like an all white Final Cut X? Got to be so clean. And all white monitors with like big white bevels. Oh, I didn't even think about that. That's brilliant. Um, Could they make a chrome one? Like something that's really shiny? They're just going to actually line the like edge. Like a mirror? With, they're going to line the edge with LEDs like on new car headlights. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like the, the Mac Cinema. Uh, makeup mirror yeah exactly <laughs> just big globe lights yeah i like it i would buy one of those yeah me too definitely definitely um but yeah i don't know I'm, otherwise i'll wait and see on ios yeah fair enough the other big bit of software news that i think is relevant to or germane to our topic i don't know why i felt the need to change words there uh adobe cc came out on monday at eight Tuesday, eight, wasn't it? Tuesday, whatever it was. No, it was, it was Monday. Huh? Yeah, it was, huh? it was almost Tuesday in Minnesota by the time it came out. But huh? Tuesday um, was ship dates for everybody. Not for Adobe. Huh. So um, I downloaded it because we have Creative Cloud memberships. A bunch of them. It was pretty awesome. I clicked a button and then I had um, all new versions of all their software. And it didn't yeah. cost any more than having the old versions of their software did on Sunday. Yeah. No, it's good. I like it. Um, um, the improved- we support them. Scope yeah. link. It's working with Prelude. Yeah. Make sure you've Effects. got uh, Scopebox 3.3.1, which shipped on Monday as well. Yeah. But other than that, um, you know, Premiere, everything's gotten nice little updates. I don't think there's anything world-changing or earth-shattering. Yeah, I mean, I think this is sort of portends the new normal. Like, we're going to get these updates and be like, meh. Because, you know, they're the kind of updates that you don't have to actually sell anymore. Right. You know? So they're going to be like, whoa, we, re- we, we added, you know, uh, what was the big thing they added in Premiere? It was, it was so great. Oh, they added the... Um, a little like detector for through edits oh yeah and a way to remove them yeah yeah um 
I had actually a question about this. So do you think that, um, you know, there's, there's two things going on here. One, you no longer pay for updates. Two, they're going to be pushing updates more frequently. And three, they don't have to. There were actually three things. Um, is that they're, yeah, the updates are going to be just sort of delivered by a thing popping up on your computer saying there's a new update. And just in the way that you used to get like Photoshop 11.0.1.300.a, you now might get Photoshop 12. Right. Um, does that dis disincentivize them from making big changes? And how will they be able to make big changes going forward? It makes it really easy to add cool features. Yeah, I mean, luckily, I think most of the apps have recently had large underlying framework type revisions, uh, After Effects being the one giant glaring exception. Um, but, you know, everybody else is Mercury. They've got the new transmits. They're like, you know, they've been recently retooled and so really i mean I, all anyone wants from premiere is just clean the thing up well and that's kind of what i was getting at is like i've been working in premiere a lot over the last few days on a couple of things and i it's great but it really needs interface work and how do they do that when it's going to be delivered as these updates like you can't like how can they ever be comfortable changing someone's interface if you're not sort of going out and saying like well, unfortunately, they're going to do it the way they do everything, which is sort of pansy-ass. They're going to, you know, chalk the thing full of preferences. Right. Which is fine as long as they eventually call them out. I mean, hopefully what it will be is like, we added this new thing, you know, kind of like how websites now sort of ease you into their new design where they say, do you want to try it now or do you want to wait until we force you to switch in a month? Yeah. You know, so hopefully they'll do something like that where it's like, you know, this is coming. You can opt in now if you're not in the middle of a project. But if you are in the middle of a project, you know, you have until two months from now to make the switch. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they're, you know, they've never made big changes. They're always these small incremental things, which they should be fine pushing out. Yeah. Where what they really need to, I mean, especially in the UI side, they just need a scorched earth approach. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I, you know, as I said, I love what they're doing with Creative Cloud. Um, it's one of the best things Adobe's done in ages. And I really, really hope that they have the stomach to stick with it through this transition period, because obviously there are a lot of people who are unhappy with a shift to a quote-unquote rental model for software. I hope that they get those same guts on the actual product side. Yeah. To, to risk alienating some people for the greater good i mean yeah uh, you know obviously that can have downsides final cut x um, right although you know that was fine too like i mean obviously that you can't do final cut x if you're on a subscription model can you um i mean it I mean, the reason why they were able to do the Final Cut X transition is because everyone had a copy of 7, and they just kept using it. Well, but if you're a Creative they, Cloud customer, you can download CS6. Right, but I'm saying, like, a year from now, when they want to do Scorched Earth with After Effects, like, there's no way to be like, I want to stay on After Effects yeah. last week. for You know, like, what, they're not even a version for it anymore. What is it? Like, I'm going to stick to After Effects... Two weeks 
into April forever. Yeah, that that will be interesting to see how they handle that. I mean, they're going to have to figure out something because, you know, you know, I don't know. They won't have to figure something out. I mean, they can just drag everybody along kicking and screaming and try to make, you know, and basically walk around on eggshells trying to keep people from kicking and screaming. Yeah. Which, I mean, my fear is that that's probably the most likely yeah. outcome. But, I mean, you know, they've always been, I don't know, I mean, they've always been incentivized for just cramming PhD papers into stuff more than thinking about usability. And that, I mean, this seems to... Like, if anything, encourage that. Right, right. Yeah, that and that's my main concern is Which that is, you it's know. just going to accelerate the sort of jamming in features that most people don't use. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of times they're nice. They're always cool. They, they are. It just becomes so overwhelming. It's like, if especially if you're not spending... I don't know how somebody learns one of these tools anymore. Right, or even like, you know, I've been using Photoshop for whatever, 15 or more years but I don't use it every day. And so I go in and, you know, I pull down the sharpen menu and now I've got, you know, eight options. Which one yeah. is the right one? They added like two new ones in this Luckily, version. they all do the same thing. I mean, it doesn't really matter which one you choose. Yeah. I mean, you go, you know, usually the, I mean, my like workflow process is choose the one that has the dot, dot, dot at the end. Cause then <laughs> I have settings and I can feel like I'm doing something and then click the preview just move the little sliders around until it looks better than it did before. And then unclick the preview, realize it doesn't look better than it did before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And back everything off 50%. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think we'll see. I think it's, it's a good, it's a good model. I'm not sure anyone else could have gotten away with the transition in the way that they can, because they have such a giant software catalog that you know and it's such a value now like you know based you know luckily they can piss people off but everybody needs photoshop everyone who was paying for photoshop before needs photoshop right so they'll keep paying for it and I, again I, I mean i have i have complete faith that this is the right decision and that they will come out the, the other side with a better product portfolio um and that the I don't vast know majority that. Come out with a, with more money well, and and, and happier customers, and yeah, and that the vast majority of customers will be happier. And so, my biggest worry is that they will give in to the vocal minority and and back down on some of this. I don't know. See, so I've been talking to some of them there, and when they first announced that Max, they were genuinely surprised that there are trolls on the internet. <laughs> like, and it sort of shocked me. I was like, really? You guys have had customers all these years. None of them were like bitchy. Um, but they were like, you know, like all the people I talked to who like do like customer facing stuff were like surprised that there are people on the internet who don't like what you're doing. And, you know, already they are like so over it. They're so sick of those people, like, you know, because it's the same 30 people like replying to every single thread on their forums, no matter what it has to do with like, well, you know, maybe if you could own your software. Yeah. And so they're just over. I mean, those people are just, oh, that's they're good. their that's own worst It's good to hear because, yeah, I, you know, like you assume with Apple, Apple doesn't really care about people. And so you don't, you, you assume Apple's going to persist. Adobe, I, I don't think of as a company with that strong personality. And so that was worrying to me. So I'm glad yeah. to hear that. 
Yeah, I'm, I mean, I don't know what's happening in the executive suite, but at the like the level of people who have to deal with these people every day, they're just over it. They just like don't care anymore. Good. That's yeah. the right attitude. Exactly. Um, anything else? I, on- I like. I literally recommended them. It's like, like you know, there are Twitter clients where you can like just turn people off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's you know. There are still people bitching about Final Cut X and that it's not for pros. And there are still people using Final Cut 7 waiting for Apple to sort of back down. So people are crazy. No, I don't think that's true. There are a lot of people still using Final Cut 7 because they don't know what they want to switch to. And I think that is legit. I mean, I can see, you know, sort of letting things shake out. But, you know, most of them have a couple other apps installed now and they're like taking projects in them as they can. Yeah. Well, um, anything else on those those big topics we have, or move on to a few little things? Yeah, let's smack out a few things and then call it a day. I'm um, in right. my conference room in a couple minutes here. All right. uh, Nvidia is going to license the Kepler core to third parties. Yeah. Do you follow this article or any of this stuff? I saw it. I mean, so they're basically going with the ARM model. Um, they're going to starting with the next generation of Kepler be licensing out the um, architecture as soon as they tape it out internally. And so um, third parties could conceivably come to market with products before NVIDIA does using NVIDIA cores, Yeah, um, which is a fascinating model. It makes tons of sense, especially for people well, who are looking specifically to... for the mobile space, which they're really trying to get back into. Yeah. But, but also I think in def- specialized device spaces and other things, yeah. um, because they're not just doing Kepler, they're saying there's, or they're hinting that they're going to sort of do this with, with all their IP, um, yeah, yeah. Their, their software modems. and Well, and what gets interesting is that they've always had this weird model where they don't make most of their cards. Right. Right? I mean, like, I bought a GTX card a little while ago, and I was surprised to go on Amazon, and I'm like, I knew what I wanted. I wanted the GTX... 680 with four gig of RAM, and I was sort of shocked when 30 products came up. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's just like OEM sticking cases, and but they make the boards and everything too. The only thing that they don't make is the chipset, right? And, it was, and so it used- I'm curious to see if that's if those same people like the EV, EVGA and stuff are going to get into this. I doubt it. I mean, I think this is about people who want to roll the. NVIDIA technology into a, you know, a system on a chip or something like I mean, Apple did with A9 and, or A6. Yeah, and, but it's an interesting way to differentiate yourself in a really crowded market. Yeah. I just don't see any of those people having the scale. I mean, I don't know if it's still the case. It used to be back when I was in PCs that those vendors not only sold the cards, but they actually, everyone did their own drivers. And you would actually wow. pick a card based on like who'd optimize their driver for the type of games you played. And mm. It was a nightmare then, of course. Because yeah, I don't know about on the Windows side. I mean, on Mac, you just get the drivers from NVIDIA. Right. Um, but, you know, none of these people, I don't, I, I think that, yeah, they're not going out and doing microarchitecture design. Yeah. But, it, uh, you know, I think it's really cool. Um, I think it's, you know, ballsy on the part of NVIDIA, or maybe not, but I think it's, it's, it was unexpected that they're taking that decision that um, this will be a net positive for them. Um, yeah. I think it was a Hail Mary for mobile where they're kind of floundering. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see if, you know, any of the people we're interested in jump on board. I mean, it'd be cool if Apple bought into it. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think Apple's going to get ever get into their own? Who who do they use for all their GPU stuff on uh, well, so they were coming out. Of, I think they were power they were, VR cores. But yeah, they've got they a, used to be. They've got. They bought a GPU. Oh, they did buy someone. They bought someone out of Orlando, and they're they're ramping up that shop apparently. So they're okay. doing a lot of hiring. So they're going to start doing their own SOC stuff. Yeah, and they they obviously yeah. bought a bunch of smaller chip design companies as well. Yeah, for things like designing the A6 and A5. But sure, that'd be cool. Yeah, wonder if they'll ever. Push that all the way up to like the max side. I, it's possible. I mean, you know, it's possible. I mean, until now, there've been drastically different design requirements. But now that the Mac's getting so power conscious, you know, it's looking more and more like a future where you know we're all asked to build universal binaries that support ARM for right. our Mac apps. You know. I mean, the, the flip side on that is that as long as um, Apple is using Intel, you know, Apple is Intel's biggest customer at this point, I believe, and definitely their most important customer. Oh. Um, and Apple, Intel is good. Apple is really driving the conversation on what Intel's packages look like now. Yeah. And so, you know, why would they go to that trouble when they can basically tell Intel to build what they want? Sure. Um, but that makes sense. Longer term, I suspect. But on the mobile side, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Okay. Um, just a quick link I'll throw in. Um, the Verge did a really cool uh, photo set from the LHC at CERN, and it was pretty awesome. And it made me want to go check it out. I don't have anything really to say, but cool pictures. Yeah. Um, build your own movie. This was a guy took a gimbal from a helicopter and hacked it up to do something like what we saw at NIB, which is a handheld gyro-stabilized camera rig. Yeah, there have been a bunch of these now. Oh, this was the first one I'd seen someone making. Oh, no, there's like a whole DIY. Especially when you get into like the drone guys. Everyone has their own flavor of gimbal for their drone. Okay. Um. But yeah, no, they're definitely, you know, because he bought like the controller and stuff. Like basically he just, he just slapped yep. a couple parts together. Absolutely. Yeah. There's no, and difference. all those parts are coming out of the drone okay. industry, they're like IMUs and stuff. And so, the, yeah, the thing he doesn't have is, you know, that the movie actually it's, monitor, well, it's really awesome, but it, it monitors your motion and can do, you can trigger a pan by yeah. sort of over, over panning the movie and then it, Right, slowly pans to track you, and none of that happens on this. It's all it's, it's actually a separate RC remote for things like that. Right, which the Movi has a mode for that too. Sure, but yeah. So with the Movi, and it cuts out all of your like instantaneous stuff. But if you if you turn your hand thirty degrees and keep it there, eventually the camera will point that way. Yeah, you know, in a very nicely stabilized pan. <laughs> right. And uh, the know, other thing that this didn't do is it was two axis. It wasn't three right. axis. And it, yeah, the resulting video didn't actually look that great. No. Um, but it's definitely, I mean, you know, the movie isn't that great either. Like that video ends up, you know, it's not uncommon. You still run it through the warp stabilizer and premiere, from my understanding. Yeah. But it gets rid of the, the macro movement. And then all you have to do is get rid of the little like jitters. 
Yeah, I think about building one of those. It looks fun. I don't know. I'm going to, I decided I'm going to break down and buy the, um, the little black magic mini camera when it comes out. Oh, nice. And so I might get one of the, that might be fun to build one of these rigs for it. Definitely. Yeah. That one will definitely be popular in a lot of these spaces as a, you know, step up from the GoPro, but not so expensive that you feel bad when your drone crashes. Yeah. Uh, should we move on to chatter? Let's do it. My chatter is a Lego. Lego is approving the production of a fan-designed Mars ro- uh, Curiosity rover set, and this was from something I hadn't heard of before, which is um, a site they run called Cuso. Cuso. Yeah. Cuso. Um, where fans can design Lego sets, and then the community votes on it, and the ones with the highest votes actually get approved and built. Um, and this was one that was actually designed by someone from the Curiosity team, so it's fairly accurate, um, and now it's going to be an actual Lego set, which I think is really cool. I didn't know about this site, um, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, there's a whole lot of... Lego is one of one of those companies that's done really well with the like social network slash internet like fan site world. I mean they've got there's just tons of people out there who like live and breathe Legos like in adulthood with lots of lots of exp- you know yeah. expendable capital, and they've done a really good job of capitalizing on that. Well, and Lego is a fascinating case all around because they were on the verge of bankruptcy not long ago and have become now one of the most, I don't know, most something toy companies around, most profitable. Scandinavian. You know, yeah. Um, most square. Um, and so they've really, in so many spaces, done a pretty amazing job of turning the company around, um, mostly by, you know, making sets made up of stupid overly engineered pieces that take away all the creativity but yeah your coconut shaped lego plugs into your palm tree frond lego yeah yeah oh, they've always had the front half of fronds. That yeah was crap. but now it's like you want a boat well you get the boat hull boat and keel the boat yeah. top yeah it's not that bad the top you still make but the boat bottom anything that's round they've given up on yeah kids can't imagine kids can't interpolate anymore yeah. I wonder if Minecraft will change that. I mean, we seem to be going backwards in all of our, like, art and stuff. We really miss the 8-bit stuff. Yeah. And, I mean, to LEGO's credit, they still do a lot of sets that are the basic stuff. And the thing that has saved LEGO has been all these product tie-ins where, yeah, you really want Ugh. the sort of magic Harry Potter set with the special wand piece and the whatever. Yeah. You know, I get it. Like, that's what made the company survive. So, great. And, you know, regardless of all of that, you can still buy a box of, you know, eight a by two red reds and eight by yep. one yellows. And that's awesome. Yeah. So. What's have your, you? Oh, go ahead. Just as an aside, have you heard about the gun people? That have made? No. So there's an entire subculture of Lego because Lego will not produce guns. Yeah. For their Lego guys. And so there's an entire internet community that makes like AR-15s and shit for Lego. Great. All the different like you, like like Lego armament companies. I'm just saying the internet. It's it's interesting. Yeah. Well. Yeah. 
I guess, you know, the fact that we can 3D print real guns means you can probably 3D print Lego guns pretty easily. Yeah, they're very tiny. Yeah. They don't have to fire bullets. <laughs> yet. <laughs> Whoa. Business idea. <laughs> How cool would that be? Not that cool. What, they fire little grains of sand? No, like some way that you can like knock over other Lego guys with your Lego guns. <laughs> That'd be cool. I think there's a physics issue here, but... Not if you use uranium. <laughs> Depleted uranium uh, Lego yeah. rounds. Yeah. Lego rounds? Just clean them up before the dog gets in. And then we would have to sell little distorted heads to put on the bodies of the children of the... Oh, nah. Okay. Um, so I am getting ready for SIGGRAPH. I'm starting to get excited. It's coming up soon. I didn't realize it until I was looking through my calendar the other day. Is that end of September? Um, no, I think it's sooner than that. Hold on, let me look. By the way, the calendar looks so much better in Mavericks. Oh, I know. It's like, it's like a Swiss train schedule. <laughs> yeah, it's next month. Oh, wow. It's like July 20th. Cool. That's when I leave. So I'm starting to get ready, and one of the things I'm doing, it's like a month from now, um, is going through some of the, they like pre-announce a bunch of stuff and put papers up and whatnot. And so my chatter is a link to, put this out a while ago, but it's the technical papers video that they do every year. So they take all the technical papers that were submitted and approved for presentations. Anyone that included like a video in the approval process, they just string them all together and then have some guy talk over them. But, you know, it's a nice um, sort of primer for the crazy shit you'll be able to do in After Effects in another two years. <laughs> Absolutely. That's very exciting. SIGGRAPH's always a fun time of year um, to remind you that computers can still be cool. And that, yeah, anything's possible now, pretty much. Cool. All right. Well, we will see you, um, you know, maybe next week. Might get two in a row. But if hey, we miss? Yeah, probably. No conferences next week. Yeah. We can do it. All right. Well, yeah. have a good week. You too.